2: Should housing be a constitutional right? Well, a commission on housing is to be formally established in the next few weeks and it will be responsible for drafting the wording that will go to the people in a referendum on the issue of the constitutional right to housing. We often hear this call being made, there should be a right in the constitution to housing. The commission will also be tasked with examining the benefits of setting up a social housing regulator who would essentially oversee the provision of local authority accommodation and will also be responsible for devising long-term housing policies and looking at areas such as security of tenure for tenants and also the issue of house prices. The Housing Minister, Dara O'Brien, drafting a memo to underpin the establishment of the Commission and that will be presented to Cabinet in the next fortnight. It's long been promised, the Programme for Government said that the Commission would examine standard sustainability and quality of life issues in the provision of housing. The Government also long promising a referendum on the issue of housing which is expected to enshrine in the Constitution an individual's right to accommodation. What does it all really mean? Do you think that the right to housing should be enshrined in the Constitution? Should it be there, uh, you know, in terms of the same way that, that everyone um, in this country has a right to education? Many people feel uh, face homelessness because of a variety of reasons. You know, financial problems, lack of available accommodation, vulture funds coming into the market. But is that the fault of government? Is it a case people need to not feel entitled to a house at all and just need to understand that owning a house is hard work and you need to work hard to keep it? Well, to thrash this issue out, I'm joined by Carl Dieter, financial analyst. Carl, thanks very much for joining me on the programme today. So we're, again, it's one of these things that we've heard a lot about in the wider context of the debate over the housing crisis that we have in this country. We seem to have housing crises in this country of one type or another. Certainly in my 30 odd years working as a journalist, I've been covering them on and off in different ways. Will, uh, firstly, that's what, what, what do you see as uh, the question that might may, may be put to the people, and what would a constitutional right to housing <coughs> mean anyway? If well, anything,
3: I, I suppose the question, in my view, shouldn't be put to the people because it's a it's a, a nonsensical question. Uh, you know, trying to enshrine housing as a right within the constitution is a com- it, it, it's a complete distraction. Uh, So it's one of
2: those, it's a red herring that's that's thrown around in the debate about how broken our housing system is. Is that what you're you're saying?
3: You see, the thing is, like, every time that you feel you have a right, it doesn't mean it should therefore be enshrined in the Constitution. Mm. And equally, there's loads of rights that we have and that we know we have, and they're not in the Constitution. So, like, this is the thing. Like, writing something down on a page isn't going to build houses for people. And, And... and really what I think this is, is, is a way for the government to say, look, let the people have this choice. And then, you know, you can say, oh, I voted in favor of making house and rights. So that's my contribution. Wear it like some kind of badge of honor. But unless you're particularly misguided and naive, if you think that's going to solve anything or suddenly build houses, uh, you know, look, there's other th- problems going on in your life like, the implied rights are clear. Article 41 talks about the importance of family and society with rights that are inviolable and superior to all positive law. Article 41.2, the state guarantees to protect the family in its constitution as a necessary basis of social order. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's nothing in the constitution that says you won't be allowed to starve to death, mm-hmm. uh, so, and yet that doesn't happen. We don't have a constitutional right to food, despite our history of famines. We don't have a constitutional right to privacy, but no one thinks that your privacy isn't uh, an inviolable right. So, you know, saying that this is somehow going to solve anything, is, it's completely wrong. And actually, what it does is, in one sense, it opens the door for the government to take anything that they want to do when it comes to housing and say, oh, but sure, like, it's a constitutional right. So we were able to, you know, do this choice and it didn't work out or it cost loads of money or we made loads of mistakes or but because it was a right, we had to, uh, you know, you don't have to spell it out. The UN Declaration of Human Rights, Article 25, everyone has a right to a standard of living, including food, clothing and housing. We've signed up to that. We've signed up to the European Social Charter, which has, has been superseded. But part one of Article 31 is six words long. Everyone has a right to housing. And, and we're not just like the whole country doesn't run on the Irish Constitution. No, well, out and, there that, and,
2: well, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we 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 defer to European laws regularly.
3: Yeah, so, so like I don't see why this is being brought forward. Really what it is, and, and, and let's just put this down into, into its most basic parts, this is politicized housing, uh, and you have certain parties out there promoting this line as if they're the only ones who care about housing, and then others are trying to say, well, we care about it even more, so we're going to put it in the Constitution. won't change a damn thing. It is absolute naivety to think that this will end with any extra house being built Imagine the legal fiascos if, if someone says that they were denied their constitutional right to a house. You know, my son gets a bit older. He might say, Dad, I don't want to move out. Okay, I'll get a job, go rent. Don't need to have constitutional mm. right to a house. Mm. They'd have to, rights don't come with a price tag of 300,000 euros. If you look at any, any of your basic rights, like your, your, your own personal right to life, the right that someone can't come along and kill you, the cost, zero. So most of our inherent rights don't come with massive price tags.
2: And at the end of the day, we heard on this programme, Carl, last week uh, from one of the charities that works in the homeless sector saying that, again, they'd become aware in recent days of uh, families presenting late at night to Dublin Garda stations because they had been turfed out of maybe their rental accommodation and had nowhere else to go. The emergency lines were, were, were closed this, even if it is voted into being by the people, is not going to help somebody like that in an emergency situation, is it?
3: Absolutely not. I, I, and look, th- this is why I'm saying the whole thing is a charade and actually what it does is it dehumanises the, the real cold-faced, flesh-and-blood people who are in those situations and turns it into some logical constitutional thing that can help middle-class people, mostly who are housed and have a home, to feel good about themselves because they voted in favour of it. Like, like you, you're, you're, being, you're being sold a pup on this right from the very start. And, and and to think that you know the, the constitution has anything to do with this it's just so far away from reality that you would actually have to like i'd question your sanity if you think that this is the way to solve the problem
2: and you think it's just pure politics it's so that the the people in power can turn around and <laughs> say well we tackled this issue we took it very seriously so much so that we actually put it to the people and enshrined Whatever. it yeah
3: you know this this is not like you know something that is 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 a pressing issue like marriage equality or the eighth, you know, this is not, it's a pressing issue, but the constitution is where, isn't where the isn't where is. the problem is.
2: What about and, and then, what about this social housing regulator that Dara O'Brien, um, the commissioners is, is, that, that are setting up the wording for the referendum are also being tasked with examining the benefits of the establishment of a social housing regulator? Is that a move in the right direction? Hard
3: to tell, you see. I mean, the weird thing is, is that most social housing, either de facto, comes from the state, or is supported through what are state funded uh, mechanisms. So, if the government needed a regulator to regulate the government, like who's in charge in that scenario? I don't, I don't. Um
2: well, we saw how it went when there was a lack of regulation.
3: Well yeah but the, the 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 lack of when you talk about lack of regulation I assume you're alluding to the financial crisis and that mm-hmm. kind of happened more within um within the financial system which actually did have a regulator by the way from day 1 yes, so that's it wasn't true. Yeah. it wasn't as if, as if they lacked the, the oversight mm-hmm. and in fact regulators over the financial crisis conversation for another day Mm -hmm. (laughs) but but getting back to this idea of the social housing regulator i think it would be great for some regulators come in and say why is our social housing managed so disastrously why is there tens of millions of euros owed why is there thousands of people where one person is occupying a three-bed house in a social house given that it's meant to be you know something there that is provided to house everybody and yet we're using it really inefficiently so there could be some good things come from that but i suspect that's not really the, the angle that they're going to take they're going to you know put something in place to rubber stamp whatever they say is good on the day and of course there'll never be a negative outcome and no one is ever culpable for anything rinse and repeat our society marches on uh, mismanaged as ever
2: and also, you know, I mean, there is no doubt about it. There is a, a huge problem over the over the the issue of of social housing, uh, but also then wrapped up in that, and it's always an and in the middle of the two words is affordable housing, and yeah. we're in a situation now where we were discussing it in the office today. Uh, You know, some of the people that I'm working with are looking, you know, and they're not in a position to buy. It's kind of, you know, it's fantasy shopping at this point in time. But Uh looking at the area that they grew up in. And it's a pretty decently sized area of North County Dublin. Not far from you and I, it has to be said, Carl. And, Uh and, you know, she was saying that the the cheapest house she saw online was over 500,000. So there's no chance, no chance that she will ever be in a position to live in the area that she grew up in. And again, I appreciate that's not a right, you know, areas change and move. But there's no sort of there doesn't seem to be any um, variety there for those who actually even can save the money and get the uh, central bank required deposits in place.
3: Yeah, there's a few things in there. I mean, the first thing is number 47 of the list of why you should be grateful that you're a north-sider because it's even worse on the south side. Their prices are even more mad. <laughs>
2: it's a long list, lots <laughs> yeah, of yeah, well, that's,
3: that's why it's only number 47. <laughs> um, well, look, there's a couple of things there. One is that the central bank rules, for instance, are a bit strange because if you're able to get a fixed rate mortgage for 20 years, and it's cheaper than the renter being pushed into paying. You're being pushed down the road of of reckless renting. Like you would never, if you had to get permission or get underwritten in order to pay a certain rent, loads of people would have nowhere to rent tomorrow because be told, look, you're spending way too much of your income on that. But if you don't have a choice, should the financial system support an application for a mortgage where it's cheaper to actually mm. buy a house than it is to rent? Yeah. Because you have to remember, people comparing renting and buying. Like if it's a if it's fifteen hundred to buy a house and it's thirteen hundred to rent it. It's still cheaper to buy the house yeah. because only the interest, the interest on that loan only is comparable to the rent. The other portion that goes against your the amount that you owe in, in financial terms actually acts as if it's savings. It, it, it's money yeah. that goes onto your balance sheet and, and your balance comes down. And if house prices never changed, one day you'd have this asset worth whatever you paid for it on day one. So that that's an important thing. Uh, the other thing is to say that there's a really uncomfortable truth within this, and there's actually a really good article by a guy called John McPartney um, in the Irish Times today about government policy in this space. We have to turn around and say to people, look, we have to make house prices fall. I know that loads of you will feel mm. that we have just um, y- y- you know, committed a sin by making house prices fall, but you can't just make affordable houses for one group and then expensive houses for those who are already in the market. Like like, like, that's the kind of leprechaun economics that is only possible in an Alice in Wonderland situation. Mm. You actually have to make house prices come down. And that's really, really how, how unpopular. Do you, how
2: do you do that? I mean, I appreciate it. it's going to be hugely unpopular for those of us who have our foothold in the property market and have maybe seen, you know, taken out mortgages. It's almost like a repeat of the financial crash. You're, you're doing in it negative on purpose equity. is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, no, I understand you're saying that you do it on purpose. But, but for many people who are maybe only just clawed their, their way out of negative equity caused by the property crash, and listen, they're lucky they actually still have their homes thankfully in many cases they they were taken away from people because they couldn't service their loans in the short to medium term but you know how do you do that deliberately then how do you say to people who've maybe just gotten out of negative equity we need you push we need to put you back into it again
3: well the, the the truth is you don't and we're seeing the results of that policy as we speak so you don't do it um the second choice is that you um you embrace it and you say to yourself and try to spread the message about the social good of affordable housing. Because, you see, like I have three kids and I want them to be able to afford a house one day. If they live close to me, that'll be great. Maybe they'll live in a different country, but but at least theoretically I want the idea that they mm. can get a regular job and work hard mm-hmm. and, and perhaps own a home one day. Yeah, We have, in an intergenerational sense, broken that inherent implied um, potential to our kids. You see, every generation typically always did better than the generation before them. Yes. We're actually seeing a reversal of that trend. And what we're seeing is these high house prices, you know, kids are having to stay in college and get a degree. That used to be, you know, you used to be able to get a job without a degree. Now you have to get a degree and now you have to get a master's, which is you more time in higher education, mm-hmm. quite often come out in debt, go into the gig economy. Mm-hmm. You don't have the pensions, you don't have the savings, you know, you don't have the house. People are buying houses later, having children much later, like into their 30s at this stage at the average, and for all the teen mothers who bring the average down, that means there's a lot of women having children in their 40s, you know, and this all means that you're going to be like 75 years old by the time you're you're in a position to, to, you know, have to stop working all day, every day. So, and, and, and this is an intergenerational thing and it has so many knock-on effects.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we're so only what, talking about
3: are, like the housing piece.
2: Yeah, I know, exactly. I mean, the, we haven't even actually discussed the, the building regulations, the lack of building that we're being told about, the continuous objections at local council levels to schemes in certain areas as well. I mean, that's, that's I think, becoming a, a very big issue. And and look, nobody wants, I mean, I know certainly the, in, in, in close to where I live, there's, you know, a new phase of a development. The schools are already full, oversubscribed. There's five local schools. They're all too full. The roadway cannot cope with any more people leaving for work and arriving home from work or bringing the kids to school at the same time every day. The public transport system in the area, it's pretty good, but there's not much room for any, although there's physically land there, the services aren't aren't in place. So, you you know, that's also then when we get to the planning side of the debate. But but tell, tell
3: me this, are you in favour of that development?
2: Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I leave for work at silly o'clock, and I go home, and, and I'm not—I'm not somebody who deals. I don't sit in that traffic every day. But, but, I can but if, understand I, if I can compose you do, for an answer
3: of a yes or no, because I'll do it
2: to you. So, yeah, go
3: <laughs> <on>. <laughs> are you in favour of that development? Answering only yes or no. Yes. Okay, so you're a minority now, because I guarantee you, most of the people in your area yeah. are probably saying, absolutely. "I am not in favour of that."
2: Yeah, absolutely. In fact,
3: I wrote—I I wrote, I wrote a, a letter to. to to, um on board Planola about a big development that was planned for it that would literally cut across my driveway like I'd have to go through it to, like, into my own house yeah and i actually was i was in the newspaper because I supported it as like all, you know right, yeah. Jackson's <laughs> came and then Carl Dieter who yeah. came along and leaned, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah like a, like but,
3: a, a lone loan loan i don't know lone, whatever but, on honest Todd supporting this.
2: But that struck me as one of the, uh, you know, one of the contradictions in, in, you know, that we have, as you you rightly said, people are pushing and want to have the right to housing enshrined in the Constitution as long as it's not on their neighbourhood. And
3: we don't want to see, you know, mothers with children who are homeless and we don't want to see people who are working, you know, 60 hour weeks just to pay for a roof over their head. We don't want any of this stuff in general. But when it comes down to the situation in particular... Nobody wants it. And that in psychology is known as cognitive dissonance. It's where you hold these contradictory thoughts as being viable at the same time within one small head. You're saying, we want housing. And and, and the right to to housing in the Constitution, that's just a giant nationwide cognitive dissonance. Mm. Say that you like it. Say that you vote for it. It, it. We bring that to the table. And then you vote for it. And then it's in the Constitution. You're like, yeah, I did all that, man. I played my part in it. And I'll just, uh, you know, object to the next housing as well. Um, But maybe maybe it'll actually be a giant trick. Maybe the government are are so smart and so bright and so well-managed that they'll say, yeah, you can't object anymore because it's a constitutional rights, so your, your so capacity you can't. to refuse yeah. is okay. gone, you know.
2: Well, maybe maybe if that was one of the knock-on effects, you could see that maybe there was something concrete about it. So what would you fix? If you were housing minister tomorrow, what would you fix? What would you do? What sort of were the top three steps you would take to try and alleviate the fact that there are people who are paying far more money than they can afford and that in actual fact, taxpayers are, are stumping it up because in half payments to top up completely crazy rents that you could actually be paying two mortgages with in some cases you know and that the fact that we don't have wide-scale building development proceedings certainly not for social housing
3: Yeah, I suppose rather than look at a right to housing I would say you've got a right to build you know there's lots of land in this country where people want to build something and they're told no you can't you don't have permission it's not zoned it's not this it's not that so I'd, I'd, I'd say that, like, I, I would take a, a leaf out of the, the book of Germany, where, where you, you actually have the right to build if you own land. There's an implied right there. Um, I would probably raise property tax times three or four or five and uh, and give people a credit for when you when you occupy that building. So, like, my property tax would shoot way up, but I would actually be given it back as a credit. And what that does is instead of this idea of, like, trying to somehow just tax vacant properties – what you do is you make the whole property sector pay more if there is vacancy. Do you get what I'm saying? Because the people, when they when they keep an empty property, there's no one to give the tax credit to. So that just gets paid and collected.
2: Is so that, I think that is, would be a better... Yeah, I'm thinking if you tried to do that, Carl, and to raise it as substantially as you may be hinting, but, you'd but be but you it out of office pretty quickly. No,
3: but but if, if you were occupying the house, your bill would double, but you'd get half of it back straight away. Okay. You get what I mean? Yes, so, I do. So what yeah. it does is it means if you're occupying the building, your your property tax doesn't go up. But if you've got an empty building that no one is in, then it does shoot up. Mm-hmm. And that's just a way of rapidly using the existing system to, to increase revenue and, and, and punish any kind of vacancy. Uh, I, would, I, would look, I would look at reviewing leases every five years, on, in particular for the government-backed ones. We are going to face into a situation, I know people can't think about it now, but there is going to be a situation where, you know, when a fund comes in and builds, say, you know, 100 apartments and they let it out to the local authority, local authority ties into 20 years commitments of payments on that. Right. And if rental prices collapse, we're not going to get the value back because yes, we're tying okay. in to today. So there would be things like that. And then to, uh, you know, just improve the, um, the, you know, we still don't have a digital planning process in this country. Like, we're one of the few places in Europe that don't have digital planning process. I mean, that's remarkable. So I'm just trying and basically speed up a lot of things. It's really unpopular to say it, but most of the housing ministers are actually trying pretty hard. And if someone says, oh, well, that housing minister was no good, you're missing the point. The whole team, nearly 99% of the team that are around a housing minister are the same people today that they were four years ago. Yeah. So, like... Pointing only at the politician is, a, is yeah. a bit of a... It's a weird one. I never understood it because people don't actually understand what, what happens in there. But the, um, you know, try to, trying to make things possible so that where housing is needed it can occur without having to take five years in court cases would be a big step in the right direction.
2: And just on the issue that you touched on earlier on in terms of mortgages and the central bank rules, which are pretty prescriptive, really, I think. should there court be Should yeah. there be a case that... You know, and I appreciate the central bank. They're an, an independent entity; they work outside of the arm and reach of government, with it, which I think is, you know, generally speaking, a good thing. But, but you know, if you if if they're going to say, okay, you can only borrow so much, but that they should give cognizance, as you said, to the amount that you're actually paying in rent in the real world.
3: You know, should and does are always two very distant cousins from each other. Um, you know, they actually tried on the the, the kind of the two sided prevention in New Zealand, where our current central bank governor comes from. He wasn't nice. in the central bank there. But they got rid of it because they realized it was a crap idea. We embraced it. have seen that it, it didn't, like, the whole, like, here's the thing. Central bank will always say, like, oh, we never said it would control house prices. Yet when house prices don't rise, they say, this is also part of, because of our prudent policy that, you know, it is working so well. But it hasn't controlled house prices. You know, mm. house prices damn near doubled mm. most places. You know, the the the, 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 the housing Crisis this time. It's not being driven by people borrowing too much, but it's still there. So I mean, anything that they're trying to say is, is nonsensical. And on an individual balance sheet per, per side of things, or, or you know, your, your, your financial position, you've got people who find they might not they might not have borrowed too much, but they're paying even more than if they took out one of yeah. these jumbo mortgages from back during the boom. And, yeah. and how much? Like, and not only that, but as they pay that rent, like like the landlord does okay but the individual doesn't have that savings effect I spoke about earlier, where if you borrow money for a house, you know, you eventually own that house, and, and, and it, it, it stands to you as a, as a giant financial asset. So what they've basically done is disconnected an entire generation from one of the most important routes to wealth.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, I saw you comment on something I, I, I a while ago. <laughs> you just
2: made me think of it there as well. Just as, as our wrap up when we're talking about wealth and we'll end it on that. You, I hadn't seen you say this but you were on the late, late, apparently a couple of years ago. What were yours? Was it three key routes to wealth?
3: Well, the three key routes to wealth are get an education. Everyone understands that. Mm-hmm. And like we're all told that's great and we embrace it. Mm-hmm. But the other two are not so obvious. And, and, and one of them is to actually own a house. And and pay for it outright, so mm-hmm. you get rid of all future housing, well, the majority of all future housing costs, and you acquire a giant financial asset. And the third one is to get into a sustainable relationship and stay in it, because the wealth effect of that is that you'll have seventy-seven percent more money. And one of the biggest predictors, actually, of poverty, certainly for children, is uh, is marital breakup or, or or you know parental unit breakup. So there was there, there's things like that that are, are huge, but no one teaches you like stay in a relationship once you commit to it. Um, we we have an obsession with property which takes care of the second one and nationally we all agree with with yeah. um, education. So it was just it was one of those things that like there's these little things that, that are tried and tra- tested and yeah. effective <laughs> but we don't really talk about it. But-
2: Get married anyway, he says. That's the advice among many of the great pieces of advice that we get from financial analyst Carl Dieter. Thanks for joining us on the programme today. So where do you think? Are you with Carl? Do you think this is ridiculous, that it's pointless, that there's no point in having a right to constitution enshrined in the constitution? It's not going to make any difference if you are in need of a home. It's not going to lay a brick for you. Um, Or do you think that it is something that is important and that it's established there as a right in the constitution? Let us know what you think. 87 8 We want your views on whether you think that the right to housing should go to the people and should be uh, uh, enshrined as a right in the constitution or is it a load of nonsense and a bit of a smokescreen? Peter, thanks for joining us on the programme today. Where are you? You are involved in the Dublin Renters Union. Do you think this is just, you know, nonsense? It's talk. It's talk to be seen to be acting to solve the housing crisis?
4: yeah well first of all, thanks for uh having me on just to respond to um
2: delighted to have your view
4: yeah no, thanks very much. I appreciate it but no, I think where we stand um on the right to housing and the constitution like um is a number of facets like you know we would much rather see legislation be be uh enacted currently that would actually see uh you know renters for instance protected in their homes in terms of long term long term security of tenure issues like that which are more relevant and practical in day-to-day life currently what we're dealing with at the same time but you know in terms of the constitution as well we've seen probably in the last year year and a half where a lot of constitutional rights have been thrown out fairly quickly uh and there is the right to common good and social good in, in the constitution that's never been properly tested and we'd argue that per- perhaps that would be a stronger role to take the right to the common good in the constitution because obviously we, you know, you know, housing is a human right, and we always uh, contend that and think every society should have a right to have a home.
2: But it, uh, as, as we- Carl Dieter pointed out, you know, there are European, um, Europe, U- European dictats which which enshrine that already, essentially enshrine that already, so that you know people have a right to be, you know, housed and people have a right to be taken care of. So they're already there and yet it's not making a blind bit of difference when it comes to either planning development, the building of social and affordable housing, the issue of uh, that you've raised about a lack of security of tenure in the rental market. It's doing nothing to protect any of those. Why will just having it in the Irish constitution make any difference?
4: Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't I like... As I said to uh, you originally, when you made a, when you asked me your question, first of all, I said legislation is is far more important. I think proper security for tenants, as I said, uh, which is enshrined in legislation, is, is I think far more important. I think than rather, uh, you know, there is a universal declaration of human rights, and not just you know, there's other issues where the right to housing is there enshrined in them and stuff as well. But as I said, there is a right to the common good in the constitution, and if you can take that, for instance, during uh the pandemic for instance when there was a moratorium put in evictions these were issues yeah. that the government said previously that these were unconstitutional and soon they became um you know uh serious measures that he that could that he could uh put through when we were uh struggling as well like you know so i think at the same time and that's that's quickly eroded then when, you know when the so-called uh Pandemic lifts. Like, yeah, you know, and I mean is, there uh, were actually
2: figures in the papers this morning about the number of evictions, and it was sharp, and it started literally in January and has continued right through to the third quarter of this year. Uh, most of the the landlords, according to the piece in the paper this morning, citing reasons that either they were selling the property because obviously property prices have risen hugely, um, and there's a shortage, and and there's you know houses are selling very quickly, or that they or family members now wanted to move back into them themselves. But that doesn't help you if you've been living in a house for three years or five years or six months.
4: No, well, absolutely. Well, the facts are 70% of people coming into homelessness or forced into homelessness are coming from the insecure private rental sector. And we all know it's down to government policy that haven't built public housing and have forced people into insecure accommodation and currently are giving over €500 million this year to private landlords for housing assistance payment instead of directing that money into building sustainable public housing where it's universal and open to people. And these are things that we've been contending. But I think what's really more important is that the issue is that 70%, 70%, 60 to 70% of those tenants that come into homelessness are because of reasons like uh, sale of property. And this is stuff that, it, 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 it's sacrosanct in the constitution, for instance, the right to own the property and have an owner of the property. But as I said previously, there is a right to the common good in the constitution and social good. So it's up to, for instance, uh, you know, barristers and stuff and judges <laughs> to contend on the, what, what rights are more important for people. And unfortunately, we have a system in Ireland where property rights are sacrosanct and the, you know a right to a house a right to a home isn 't seen as anything uh, relevant for anybody there 's no actually right to proper right to housing in in, in Ireland whatsoever but I think what as I said, my original point was legislation is something that 's far more relevant and far more important and
2: why do than, you think, therefore then Peter, that you know, and, and legislation is easier to achieve? In my, to my mind than a constitutional referendum. You know, it's a case of debating the legislation, somebody putting forward a bill, it being debated in the doll, if needs be, by a committee and then it's voted on and it's signed by the President. It's a process that could take um, weeks in actual fact and, and in some cases where there's been a need to get legislation, I mean, to that spring to mind was when um uh, statutory rape was struck down and yeah. the other one was when, for a period of, was it 24 or 48 hours, head shop drugs became legal. You know, yeah. legislation can be pushed through really, really quickly.
4: Well, absolutely. And that's what we've always been contending for. And like the, the previous uh, uh, uh housing committee, uh, all agreed this was a cross-party agreement on um, ending, you know, the sale of property or vacant possession being used as a reason for evictions. And as I mentioned, that's the number one reason for evictions from the private rented sector. Uh And that was previously agreed. And then that hasn't been forced through or, or enacted upon. I understand why people are, are trying to push it because they want to get a conversation started. But as I said, I said what's more meaningful is to get, for me, I think it's it's getting a meaningful, a serious, uh, you know, action that that could happen in a short period of time rather than something Maybe it could be like, for, for maybe some, it could become a vanity project, for instance. Maybe it's in the constitution. So yeah, what, what are we well, going to do about it? So that I think the that, practical that, stuff is what's important.
2: Yeah, I think it, in, essentially, in a way, that's nearly what Carl Dieter was suggesting, that in many ways it allows those to jump up and down and say, you know, they're making noise and they're doing something about it and they're pushing for this. Um, Alan, thanks for joining us on the Niall Boylan Show and Ireland's Classic Kids. Do you think that it should be enshrined as a right in the constitution or do you think it's a bit of a red herring and a bit of a smokescreen?
5: Ara, can I have um, can I have two two free 70s, one in Dublin and <laughs> one in Salt Hill? possible, just close to the to the beach, you don't mean?
2: Well, do you know what? You can have that if you work okay. for it, and that you if you fill if you fulfill no, no. all the central bank criteria, no, no. <laughs> but you have to work for it.
5: No, no, I, I don't think uh, that's not the impression we're giving. You don't have to work for that. That's what we're heading with. This is this is nonsense again. This is more political stunt done for a few votes. Look, we're trying to do something here. Look at us, we're working hard. This is just utter nonsense and should not be put into the constitution. It's absolutely ridiculous. If like you want something you work for, you contribute. Yes, house prices are too high and that needs to be tackled.
2: But then are you saying are, are you, are you Yeah, but are, are you saying, Alan, then and in a simplistic way, are you saying then that people who, for whatever reason, don't work or can't work, uh should have to live their life in a potentially insecure situation where they're moving from one rented accommodation to the next, to the next, to the next, and that they have, you know, we just need to forget about them. If you're, let no. say, fair, survival of the fittest. If you can't work and if you can't pay your own way, good luck.
5: Uh, you, you, so you, you've done two things there, can't work and don't work. And you, there's a third one, won't work. And that's the problem. So we've all these people in this country, right? We have massive workshops, massive shortages across retail and everything for people looking for staff. There's plenty of people in this country out of work, but yet they won't put their hands up to work.
2: Yeah, but I mean, there's some people who, for example, can't work because maybe they don't have adequate childcare or the job that they do won't pay for adequate childcare.
5: Yeah, so I've no problem with people who can't work, disabilities and whatever may be, right? People do fall in hard times. That happens, right? And we need to look after those people. But someone who doesn't contribute then should make be given a free semi-deed just, just for safety of one because they're entitled to one because it says in the constitution. I don't right. think. I, yeah. but I, do,
2: I don't think. I do, I do, I, to be fair, you know, and I know that that's, you know, it's a very, it's easy sometimes to take a simplistic view to things, but but it, I don't think that's the way it, this would work. I don't think that's the way the government uh, even know, envisages uh, it I, would work. I
5: personally know someone who actually got themselves fired from a job because it meant they would actually get a tree bed or they would actually get a house free social welfare through social welfare. Social welfare they purposely got themselves sacked in order to get their house. Yeah, but then so, we have people on housing
2: lists that can't get houses. We have people living in hotels in really cramped, horrific conditions yeah, for their families. We have people living in, in, you know, in, in these youth, you know, family accommodation units where they're sharing uh, kitchens and, and bathrooms yeah, in and some cases.
5: Be should but, be living there because there needs to be a full review, right, of every social uh, house in the country. Who's in it? Are the people working? Is it a husband and wife? Is it a parent and child, or whatever it may be? are the game in the system. I've no problem with someone who can't afford right? who's in a social, a social housing right, but if they can afford to pay a bit more rent than what they're currently paying, well then they should pay it, and be upfront about it. What we do in this country is we continuously penalise people. All about penalising people the whole time. You pay something, you're penalised for more. That's the way this country works. It's not. We don't change minds, we, we tax people. That's what we do. And this is just more nonsense from politicians who will in, in a couple of years' time will they going to be re-elected with it. Oh, we've done something about the housing. we put it into
2: constitution. Mm-hmm. It's just nonsense. Uh, and, in, and in real terms, not a single house will have been built. What do you think? Do you agree with Alan that, you know, just because, you know, you're not going to get up off your arse and go and work for it or, if, you know, look after people who genuinely and really are in need of it, do a root and branch investigation of all the social housing stock in the country or, or are you more with Peter? This is a bit of a, a bit of a, an issue over the Constitution. It may be welcome, a constitutional amendment, but in actual fact, they could pass a law in a day or two and it would have much more effect. Tara Duggan in for Nile today. Robbie, where are you on this debate? Do you think we should have a right to housing in the Constitution or is it just a load of stuff and nonsense that's not going to make a difference?
0: Yeah, I, I suppose when the, when the wording of it comes out, people will probably be a lot more clear on it. But to be honest with you, I think it is kind of a it's a piecemeal kind of thing. I think what they really need to do is actually carry out the housing policy that they have. And if they do that, you'll find that people really would be in a better place because they need to build a lot more houses. Now, um, from my job, I know of a lot of houses coming on board, and there is, especially in South Ovalon County Council area, say, Talla and Luke and in dock, and there would be a lot of affordable and social housing stock coming on board over the next couple of years and substantial amounts. To be honest with you, you know, but um, but here's one of the, but, I mean, but here's the thing, it.
2: Robbie, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but here's the thing. While we're waiting that couple of years, and I actually happen to personally know people who are first time buyers who are personally trying to buy in that area right now. And yeah. they're being priced out and priced out and the prices are going up and up and up and up and up. But yeah. it actually just pushes out the problem and it makes it worse in the medium to long term.
0: Well, in the medium it certainly does. In the long term, hopefully they're going to get it right, because over the next decade, there's going to be a lot of building in Ireland. That, that's going to be kind of like a, I'm not going to say it's going to be like Celtic Tiger um, limited building, Jesus but there's going to be a lot don't,
2: of... Just, don't wish that on, that on us again. No,
0: but there is, there is going to be a lot of houses being built, and unfortunately houses just don't grow like plants, you know, they... They take time and with the planning permission and so on. And part of the reason being is that some people object against yeah. planning. But there, is, but there is, there is a lot of housing coming on board. But the, the thing is that as well, and I just say that not everybody who lives in social housing doesn't work.
2: No, absolutely, yeah.
0: You know, can we just put that point out there? Um, as well, it's like, I mean... You, you say that the housing is a right. So you're either going to say one thing or another. You're going to say that housing is a right and everybody's going to get a house. And here you go. Thank you very much. Our housing is a right. There we go. Everybody, housing is a right. Is that okay for you? That's that's the only way you can do it. You know what I mean? Is either hand out free houses or just say, yeah, it's a right, but we're going to do our best to get you one. That, that, it's as simple as that, really, when you look at it, you know? But I think the the thing is that it's, it's, we're in a very strange place out there. And there's one or two things I do agree with Carl Dieter is that I mean, that our, our kids are going to be, it is gone backwards, as he said, like over the years, uh, every generation had it better. I think the next generation are gonna have it tough. Because, I mean, when you, when you look at the the people are saying, get rid of HAP. Okay, we get rid of HAP. So where are you gonna put the 10,000 people who are on HAP in the morning out in the streets? So you have to build these houses as soon as you possibly can. Get them off HAP and get them into the social housing. Because on the other end of that as well, you've also got people who are renting. And they're probably renting for two and a half grand a month, yeah. and then the bank is, the bank is not clearing them for the twelve hundred and fifty euro uh, mortgage. I
2: know, which is utterly you know,
0: madness, mental stuff like that. And the amount of people I've met that told me that, and so. The actual rent is twice the price of the mortgage. Yeah, like, and I It's mean, just I, outrageous.
2: It is, and I don't know if there's ever been a, a point in time in history where it's been that bad. I know, obviously, years ago, the previous generation, to me, had huge interest rates, maybe, that you and I haven't had to encounter. But certainly, if you were renting, you were still in a position to be able to bank a few bob every month to try and get your foot on the property ladder. Joe... Where do you stand in, in this debate? Do you think that there should be proper housing available as a constitutional right to everyone?
1: I think that everyone should be able to get a house. I think more should be done to help people. Because the, um, the prices of the house, even for people that have a good job, are over the top.
2: And you're talking about buying a house now as opposed to... I'm
1: talking about just buying. Just buying. It's not affordable at the moment, even for the people that have a good job. Let alone, like, I am a carer. My possibility of ever buying a house or or have the safety net of knowing that my son, like, we're not going to be pushed out Mm. of a place is, is always there because it's something that can happen at any point and believe me it's it's really stressful and i
2: can can only imagine you're in rental accommodation now at the moment i am
1: am in rental accommodation i've been here for five years uh but it's not the case that you, you never feel secure these days because from one moment to other something might happen and you know you have to move and there's no place to move and I have a child with a rare condition. Mm-hmm. It's very scary and um I think like for me, I think councils should come up with rent to buy again. It was such a nice way to help out carers because you know, if we could put some of our money towards something that could be ours, it would be like a way for our future with our kids to be a bit less uncertain,
2: yeah and, and in in the if you know if that's not possible today or tomorrow, do you think that there should be some sort of change to the law that will at least protect you if you've been somewhere for five years that you know that you can't just be turfed out onto the street at any given yeah. moment?
1: yes, that would be amazing because it's it's a fear that I always have on top of all the other stress that I have, uh, because being a carer, you know, we earn very little, Uh, we're always forgotten by society in every turn in every way. Uh, So yes, it would be great to have a bit more extra protection, especially when, like, for example, I always pay my rent on time, it's something that I rather go without eating than not paying my rent on time.
2: And have you had to make that decision, Joe? Have you had to choose not to? No, thank God,
1: so far, I haven't. But I'm always super conscious that I want to pay rent on time. I want to have everything right. I don't want to give my landlord any reason to want to put me out. (sighs) It's a fear that, you know, me and other people like me that rent, Live with, because like, for example, I've been looking for work for part time work for mornings Yeah, for more than six months. No one want to hire me because I am fully flexible. All yes. the people that I've reached out that I sent my CV, they rather not take me even though I can work mornings because they want something that is fully flexible.
2: And then you know. and then I suppose in addition to that, Joe, then you also have complications about how many hours you can actually work if you are a carer and you're getting a carer allowance. You see, you know, on the face of it you think it's simple and it's black and white and it's haves and have nots, and it's people who want and demand a right to something while other people are, you know, clawing their way to try and work. But then you hear the human face of it. Joe, you know she's not in a position to buy. There is no scheme that will allow her to buy at the moment, and yet she faces this daily. Concern and struggle about you know is she going to be able to continue living where she where she is uh, while also caring for, for her son with a rare condition? None of these things are ever simple, are they?
0: Real people, real opinions, real talk radio, the multi-award-winning Niall Boylan show.
1: Classic hit